You're listening to Set 5 Pass, a podcast about all things Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'm your host, JD Shock, aka Juian. Every week there's a new topic and can range anywhere from deck profiles to archetype analysis. Of course, we also cover Yu-Gi-Oh! news and provide a recap of what happened in the past week to keep you updated and informed. The podcast is on Twitter. Find us at Set5Podcast to stay up to date with what's going on throughout the week and let me know what you think of the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Now, let's get on with the show. Alright, hey there everyone. Hope you all had a good week. We're moving into the midweek and we are back on the grind. It is kind of wild how time just kind of does that thing. You know, how it just kind of keeps going. As a kid, it kind of felt like summers and weeks felt so long, but once you're an adult, weeks just kind of fly by. Like, we're in mid-February already and it feels like New Year's was only like two weeks ago. Even recording the podcast, which is like one of the things that gives me structure in my life, it makes the week fly by because I usually record and publish midweek and then the weekend happens and then it's like Sunday night, Monday morning and bam, I gotta start writing again for the next episode. So yeah, anyways, I'm going off topic right off the bat, so let's bring it back. (laughs) This week's episode is going to be part of a several series segments several segment series tactical masters is dropping on june 10th 2022 and with it we are getting the valiant archetype valiants are a pendulum archetype that do not really utilize the pendulum mechanic but instead use their pendulum effects to move them from column to column to activate their monster effects it draws inspiration from one of those tactical board games i think of fire emblem right off the bat but some people refer to something else I initially thought about doing an archetype breakdown for the Valiants, but I've been doing quite a couple of those lately. Plus, there is a lot of text on those cards, and there's so many of them. So an archetype breakdown would have been like roughly two hours long, and I don't want to put anyone through that. However, this got me thinking. What other column decks exist in the game? Well, to answer that, there's... Four currently excluding the Valiants and I thought it'd be kind of cool to break down how these decks utilize the column mechanic differently. Look, right off the bat let me just say that I am all for Konami introducing new ways to play Yu-Gi-Oh and making use of underutilized mechanics. Anything based on like dice rolls or coin flips is oddly really appealing to me. And Yu-Gi-Oh! has something that a lot of other physical TCGs don't have, and it's columns. If you look at Magic the Gathering, since there's no limit on the number of monsters you can have, there's no practical implication of columns. The fact that there are columns means that there's just another aspect of the game that can be played into, and I just think that's kind of neat. I figured since there's four different decks that utilize columns, I would go through them a couple at a time and compare and contrast how they util- like utilize the columns. Like, who knows? Maybe we can see if there's some overarching strengths or weaknesses that could help anyone looking to play these decks later on down the line. Maybe these could be good ideas for your next deck in Master Duels. Either way, it should be insightful. 
For the first part of the series, we're gonna cover S-Force and Magical Musket. But first, before we get into all that, here is some Yu-Gi-Oh news. We have been getting consistent reveals for the History Archive collection set to release for the OCG on February 19th, 2022. This collection contains various alternate arts for all-star cards and contains legacy support for a variety of archetypes featured in all of the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime, which is pretty cool. As of right now, there's no confirmed release date for the TCG, but it is suspected to launch. In addition, we had the first OCG reveals for Power of the Elements, the booster main set after Dimension Force. So this is a long, long way for us. As rumored, it, this set is going to feature a bunch of new Elemental Hero Neo support, supporting everything from like Contact Fusion to a fusion with a GX All-Star Shining Flame Wingman. At this time, the set cover art has not been unveiled, but is likely to be the new Neos card, Elemental Hero Shining Neos Wingman. And starting today, the first duel event for Master Duels is taking place, the Exes Festival. Players will earn medals just by taking part in the event, so long as you do not surrender during the duel. And this event will go on until about February 23rd, I believe. Alright, I think that's it. Let's get back to the topic. So, kicking off with S-Force, also known as Security Force, was an archetype introduced in Blazing Vortex and continues to receive support in Lightning Overdrive and most recently in Battles of Chaos. Most of the monsters have a couple things in common stat-wise. They are either light or dark monsters, and effect-wise, they have one mild floodgate effect that affects the opponent's monsters in the same column as an S-Force monster, and some of these effects can be simple stuff like Monsters in the same column in S-Force can't change battle position to more game-affecting things like Banish any monster who leaves the field that was in the same column as an S-Force. And depending on the card, most of the monsters have some additional effect that either special summons another S-Force, either as like a quick effect or something like that, or something unsummoned. So you do a lot of playing on the opponent's turn to manipulate the columns where the S-Force are, are located and how they interact with the opponent's field. Flavor-wise, it's pretty cool because monsters in the same column as S-Force are seen as essentially quote-unquote under arrest, which makes their mild floodgates effect kind of make more sense. Usually one or two S-Force monsters on the field isn't so bad, but once you get more than that, it becomes incredibly tricky to play around the columns and whenever you cannot, your monsters get afflicted with several mild floodgate effects. You don't realize how influential these things become until your monster has lost 600 attack, can't be used as a link material for a link 3 or higher, gets banished when it leaves the field, and can only attack the S-Force monster directly in front of it. After a while, they kind of stack up. Being the most recent column-based deck, it seems like Konami really tried to work with this archetype to fulfill some of the common issues that exist with column-based decks in general. S-Force can really do well going first or going second. Uh, going first, you can establish some of your disruptive cards ahead of time and have your archetype trap cards ready to go for the additional disruption. Now going second, you can play your S-Force directly into the same column as opponent's monsters and get them quote unquote under arrest very quickly, sometimes catching the opponent by surprise. I've never actually seen an S-Force mirror match happen, but I expect and I suspect that it is very entertaining to watch. Now. However, every deck has their weaknesses, and S-Force is no different. 
While having some decent ability to swarm the field, the deck struggles to create actual negation and disruptive plays outside of a single trap card they can use, which isn't even negation, I should add. Thus, the boards that S-Force make tend to be kind of easy to break down, and it means that S-Force must rely on either a lot of hand traps or make use of additional floodgates. So yeah. In addition to weaknesses, the deck's plays tend to be very linear, so negating one initial play could end the whole turn, meaning that for a dedicated S-Force player, must anticipate these cards and either one, bait them ahead of time, or two, play cards to play through the hand traps and negation, such as like Sales Band from Battles of Chaos, or Cross Out Designator from last year's Megatons, which can be a little bit tricky when deck space gets tight. Overall, I would say this deck takes some experience to play properly, and it takes understanding of the overall meta and familiarity with other decks. You do a lot of playing on the opponent's turn to quickly put monsters under arrest, and therefore you must be familiar with which ones are worth putting under arrest. If you're curious about playing the deck, it is relatively cheap on Master Duels and in real life paper play. So if you choose to play in real life on a local level, you'll have the benefit of using the most recent and impactful stuff from Battles of Chaos, which gives the deck a overall boost in the ability to break boards and ability to link climb into their boss monster, which is a link three that helps move the opponent's monsters into the columns that you want. Moving onward to Magical Musket, Magical Musket was an archetype introduced in Spirit Warriors and it consists of a series of light fiend monsters with most of them being level 3 or level 4 except for one which is level 8. Before I get too into this, I want to first say that I had recently discovered muskets specifically for this podcast episode and I honestly had so much fun playing the deck. I kind of fell in love with the game again, and especially with this deck, strictly for the flavor and play style. It just felt so strategic. I don't know, it was so, it was awesome. I love this deck. Anyways, now that I'm done paying homage to muskets, all musket monsters <laughs> share one primary effect. You can activate magical musket, spell and trap cards from your hand during either player's turn. And most of them have an additional effect that triggers when any spell or trap cards activate in that monster's column. Uh, with these two effects slapped together on every monster, you get to a game state where you're really controlling the board with a series of one-for-one -one plays, which is pretty fun. Flavor-wise, the archetype interactions with columns is like the musket monsters firing off the musket spell and trap cards, which are all like gun moves. And aesthetically, they all have some American Western look to them, with kind of like a gunslinger cosmetic going on. When I was researching them, I found out that they were actually based off of a German opera about some gun folk who make a deal with the devil, which once you understand that makes their card art make a little bit more sense. The effects really start to stack on as well. So some of the monster effects that trigger when something is activated in their column can be used for like recycling resources from graveyard, uh, searching monsters or additional spells and traps, and to even swarm the field a little bit, but not all too much. While all the archetype spells and traps have a hard once per turn clause to them, you can still make quite the most out of a simple board with the right spells and traps already in your hand. The archetype spells and traps are also really powerful and really versatile, ranging from monster negates, spell and trap negates, removal, graveyard disruption, and a little bit more swarming. If you've ever played Sky Striker, 
Muskets feel like they operate much in the same way as like controlling the game with like one for one with back row. A phenomenal design of the musket archetype is that they trigger if any spell or trap card is activated in their column. So one, it doesn't have to be a musket card. And two, it doesn't have to be your spell or trap. You can summon a musket in the same column as an opponent's back row and really make things difficult for the opponent because if they choose to activate their, their card, you get advantage off it. I think that was Konami's approach to make this column-based deck a little bit more versatile. So going first, a simple normal summon with no set back row can actually look very scary because you don't know how many musket names are in the hand. And then going second, you can play with the opponent's columns and make use of a very powerful link one that the archetype received back in Dual Overload, which can net you just a ridiculous amount of advantage. <laughs> Compared to S-Force, muskets have quite a few weaknesses. Uh, this list may be a little bit more exhaustive because I played the deck quite extensively for a period of time, but all the archetypes and spells and traps rely on having a musket on board. So sometimes not drawing any of the monsters can really just prevent you from playing in general because it makes all the spells and traps essentially dead. In addition, on the flip side, because this also happened to me, opening up all monsters with no spells and traps can also prevent you from extending the game state because all their effects trigger when something is activated in their column. And if you don't play anything in your column, your opponent sure as hell is not going to play anything into their column. In addition, the deck can be kind of weak against hand traps and a single imperm if you don't have the right musket in hand could just kind of shut off your ability to play from your hand that entire turn. Also, a well-timed Ash Blossom or a Ghost Ogre can kind of shut things down how you extend and control the game, which this deck kind of aims to do. Lastly, this deck really struggles with recovery, so like large board wipes can really just put the deck into a losing game state unless you're super conservative with your plays, which kind of depends on how conservative the opponent is with their plays. Overall, to me, I think that muskets are a very good deck, but it really depends on the player and how you pilot it. You can take on an aggressive or a control approach to the deck while pursuing these one-for-one -one trading until your opponent is out of resources. The deck struggles with opponents who make very wide boards with low resources, and with all of them having kind of low stats, really struggle to contest in the battle phase and to secure game quickly. I often found that most of the time, my opponents conceded not because I hit them for game, but because I simply outvalued them to the point that they were aware that they could not make a comeback. Because this deck can play with really any generic spells and traps and gain advantage, this deck does benefit from all the staples in the game without sacrificing any power. Even I even played a variant with Raigeki at 3 because it was just pretty awesome because you can just set yourself ahead of the game starting turn 2, which just felt good. Just wipe their whole board and get advantage right off the bat. I really hope that Konami gives this deck more support in the future, but in the meantime, I'm completely content with where it is right now. And the deck is getting currently some spotlight with the new Mr. Rune deck also launching in Tactical Masters in June. Now, some final thoughts on these two. Comparing them, both archetypes utilize columns very differently. The S-Force manipulate the columns to make small floodgates on the opponent's monster zones, and Muskets focus on using spell and traps in their own columns to gain additional effects.
because S-Force affects the opponent's field, it's possible for the opponent to play around the column effects that the S-Force monsters present, but muskets do not really have that problem since muskets focus on their own columns. If the opponent plays around them, it doesn't really change how you're going to go about your musket plays. If your opponent accidentally plays into muskets, you just get free advantage off that, which is pretty nice. And it does happen way more often than what you think. People just kind of slap cards on the board and not realize that that happens. Closing thoughts. Column play has its pros and cons. On one hand, it adds an additional layer of strategy that a deck can present, sometimes making it have like a higher ceiling of play. But depending on the column deck, sometimes requires the opponent to play along or within the columns, which can be a bit tricky if they can completely play around it in the example of S-Force. Next week, we're going to look into the remaining two column decks, Weather Painter and Mech Knight, to look at how these other two decks utilize columns and kind of see what makes them different from S-Force and Muskets. I'm going to close out this week's episode, but before that, I just want to remind you that if you like this episode or wish I expanded more on a topic, please feel free to reach me, reach out to me at Set5Podcast on Twitter and give me a follow while you're there too. You've been listening to Set5Pass, a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, and I'm your host, J.D. Shock. Hope you have a good week and bless your pools. <laughs>